In today's episode, we discuss the current state of real estate, the influence of AI and new technology, the question of, is now a good time to buy a home, and philosophy in life and business. And if you enjoyed today's episode, hop on and leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the show. Today's show is brought to you by IcePod, finally an affordable, portable, and effective way to get the benefits of cold water immersion in the comfort of your own home. I opted for the Pro Bundle, which includes the IcePod, a water circulating pump, a special insulated lid, and a thermometer to check the temp of your water. Even in Georgia, the IcePod keeps my water between 60 and 70 degrees, and when I load it up with the 36-pack of water bottles that I use and refreeze after each session, I can easily get it around 50 degrees for the perfect cold water immersion experience. Despite being light and portable, the IcePod is super durable and it's the perfect solution for anyone who wants to experience the benefits of cold water immersion without spending thousands of dollars for a home water chiller or trying to DIY your own. Cold immersion can help with recovery and muscle soreness, raise dopamine levels, help you wake up and be more alert, help you to burn more calories, mobilize brown fat, and more. Visit podcompany.com and use my special promo code SHANE50107 for $10 off your order, and each sale helps to support the show as well. Stay cool out there, people. Are you looking for the perfect high-protein snack that isn't loaded with stuff like MSG, nitrates, and sugar? Carnivore Snacks is the perfect high-protein snack made from quality grass-fed beef and salt. That's it. Each bag uses one pound of high-quality beef, lamb, pork, or chicken, salt, and nothing else. Aside from being easy, healthy, and convenient, they also taste great. These snacks are not just another jerky. They are way better. Give a bag a try, and I know you'll keep coming back. Check out Carnivore Snacks, spelled with an X, dot com, and enter coupon code SHANE05137 for 15% off your order, and each sale will help support the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast as well. Welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, where ancient and modern wisdom come together to create a better way of living. I'm your host, Shane Sorensen, and each week we speak with successful people from a plethora of disciplines in search of wisdom from their own lives. Your own personal renaissance begins today. Let wisdom be your guide. Hey everybody, welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast. I'm here with today's guest, Tristan Almada. Welcome to the show. Happy to be here, man. Yeah, I'm I'm super happy to finally link up with you. I know we've uh exchanged messages back and forth for a while. Um I think we linked up on Instagram originally and I sent you over a copy of my book. So um I'm excited to learn a little bit more about you and your background today. So uh why don't you just start out by introducing yourself? Yeah, man. Thanks. And and by the way, thanks for um, thanks for the book. It was a really good book. So thank you for no putting problem. that together. Appreciate it. Uh, Tristan Almada, I'm out of Los Angeles, California, born and raised here and went to college out here right out of college. I got into law school and real estate. And then when I got into real estate, I'm like, wow, um, I think I'm making a lot of money. So I'm not going to continue law school. So Dropped law school, kept on doing real estate. The real estate market tanked. I had to shift a little bit. And then I was one of the first to start using online leads, Zillow, Realtor.com, a lot of people, those those companies. I started speaking around the nation for for them. And then from there, I, I started gaining traction. People started hiring me to go and speak, consult. Then I built the largest community for real estate agents in the world. Facebook got a hold of me. It's like, hey, you have a Facebook community. It's massive. And then I became uh, Facebook's real estate advisory board member. And uh, they started that whole thing. And then that started a whole different trajectory in real estate technology companies and then just tech companies. And then my friend became a billionaire, bought Success Magazine, and then said, hey, you want to help us with the podcast? And I'm like, sure. And here I am, man. Awesome. That's a little bit all. Yeah. 
a, a little bit of a uh, little bit of everything. I feel like most people that are pretty interesting have, have that kind of uh, that interesting trajectory through life. Um, yeah, which is you know, bounce around for sure. And a an interesting little side note, I wanted to you know tell you, I, I saw a post that you did a long time ago when we kind of first linked up, and it was like how you responded to online leads. And so, yeah. um, for for my day job, I you know manage have some ownership in a chain of gyms here in Atlanta. Um, started up with like the owners about eight and a half years ago, and built up and have some equity in the business now. But um, I started using you know your strategy, which you know. We always do like a call, text, email when we first get somebody's information, but I started doing the, you know, I call, let it ring three times. I used to leave voicemails. I stopped leaving voicemails and then send them a text and say, you know, Hey, it's Shane from ATL fitness. I wanted to follow up with you. Um, I got your information online, but I don't want to spam you. What are you interested in? Cause I, I love that little, I don't want to spam you. Uh, cause they're like, okay, it's a human being. It's not a robot. And they're telling me up front, like in a polite way, basically, they're going to keep calling me until I let them know that I'm interested yeah. or not interested or communicate. Funny, it's like, man. I don't want to spam you, but I will if I have to. <laughs> I don't want to, unless you tell me it's not <laughs> yeah. spam or it is. Uh, tell me. Right. That's funny, man. Yeah. So I just, I thought you might find that interesting that I, you know, I've still, still been using that for the last, you know, year or so. Dude, um, so I'll tell you a little bit on that. I, yeah, we've spent millions of dollars on online leads so yeah. because remember i consulted facebook so we had to test out facebook lead ads when it first came out with them and so we spent a lot of money not only on the marketing for leads coming through but also on the tech and the processes to build out to yeah. be able to communicate with clients and then convert them to an actual client especially buying a home right it takes a much longer oh, period yeah. So, yeah, we refined it uh, to to just communicate with the client better so that we're not spamming them and that we connect better just by text to get them to that point that, oh, yeah, let's talk on the phone. So we're non-threatening. So, yeah, sure. I'm glad it worked. That's cool. Yeah. Now, uh, why don't why don't you tell us a little bit? I know you just dropped a book, um, which which is you know pretty cool, right? Like get, getting a book out there in in the world that's a big accomplishment. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll tell you the 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 short trajectory on this. So, I have yeah. a friend who published a book with uh, with Wiley. They're a big publishing company, and he said, "Hey, man, you should you should publish a book." I'm like, "Yeah, I already have one, but I don't I don't know what, what to do." He's like, "Let me connect you." So. His name's Chris Smith. He goes, uh, let me connect you. Connected me to Wiley. And I go, Wiley, I've got this great book. It's called Prepare to Marvel. Focuses on the evening routine and morning routine. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. That, who's your audience? And I'm like, well, I'm real estate. And they're like, mm, that book? No. We'll publish it if it's a real estate book. I go, but I don't have a real estate book. They're like, well, write one and we'll publish it. So there, there I am writing a real estate book from all the experience I have in like <clears> six <throat> months. I send them the manuscript. They're like, let's go. So I published not the book I wanted first, but it's doing well. So there you go. It's called yeah. Real Estate Prospecting. Real Estate Prospecting. Yeah. You know, it's like I, you know, I self-published, um, you know, I did everything through Amazon. I hired an editor, hired a um, cover designer, uh, but you know, just that like connection and getting your foot in the door. That's like everything with actually, you know, getting traditionally published. Yes. Um, I, I spoke via email a lot with uh, Donald Robertson. He wrote uh, how to think like a Roman emperor, you know, super, super bestseller. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's more old school. He's, he's been writing for many years and, you know, he's like, well, you know, the way I did it was I started working at a publishing company and I, you know, did like editing and that kind of got me a connection. And then he had a similar experience where he presented a book and they're like, no, 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 like we don't, we don't want that. And he basically just <laughs> changed the name and they published the same book because he changed the name. That's but I should have um, done that, but it, yeah, wouldn't have, just, it wouldn't have been like real estate. It would have been weird. Yeah. Um, you know, he was basically like, I ran into this weird, like infinite loop where you talk to authors and they say like, you're like, how do you get published? And they'll say, well, you have to have an agent. 
So mm. you're like, well, how do you get an agent? And then you, you look at the agents and they say, well, we only accept authors that have a published book. So then you're like, okay, well, how do you get published? And then you go to the publishing companies and they say, we only take people who have an agent. So it's, it's almost like they have this like infinite regress, like gatekeeping system set up where the Ooh. only way you can actually get in is just to know somebody, but it's old school, man. Um, it's like, that's why I love yeah. Amazon publishing. It's like anyone can publish a book and then over time, let the audience decide, was it, is it good? Right. If you keep on pushing through. So sure. I, I think it's the best way. I, I agree. You know, I, I think that one thing I would have love to have on my book. I mean, even though I hired a really good editor that has experience and has worked at publishing houses, I, I would, I would have loved to kind of take my book through the eyes of some professionals that really, really know the business that could have guided me in crafting oh. it a bit. You know, I know okay. that um, some people might argue they're taking away some of that, like freedom of expression, I guess, or that, uh, that original idea. But I think that especially me being a first time author, I would have loved some guidance from some people that really have experience in the industry. Cause again, I'm a, I'm a first time author. So that dude, I think it, it came out really well, man. I don't know that yeah, that would have mattered. I yeah. don't think that would have mattered. Yeah. Like well, we went it, through it. I have my own in-house editor and I also went through Wiley's mm -hmm. and they didn't change very much. It's like, they kept a lot of mine. A lot of my words, a lot of my structure. So, I sure. think I think you did very well. I think you're underestimating. Appreciate it. it. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, all right. So let's see. I wanted to ask you, like, obviously you're very involved in the tech side and the the online lead marketing, right? Um, I think there's there's a lot of things happening, you know, in the real estate market, right? Things have changed a lot just with the the advent of, obviously, like online marketing it's a little bit there's still that like mouth like you know person to person like word of mouth kind of spread mm -hmm. but i i assume as with most industries it's the, the online leads and that type of marketing becomes super or way more important over the years yeah. um you know why don't you talk just a little bit about like the tech side um you know with like lead generation and you know how do you think that most real estate agents could be doing better in general uh, I think as a whole, there's two parts to it. There's the there's yeah. a real estate agent and then there's the consumer, right? So we know that the consumer, most of the consumer goes to search for property online first. But when right. it comes down to then deciding whether or not they're going to take that next step to purchase or at least start uh, getting their feet wet, they're either going to go to Zillow Redfin, Realtor.com primarily, right? Or or Google, just Google, hey, homes for sale in. Or you'd see those, or they're actually going to reach out to somebody they know. Like you, Shane, I'm going to be like, hey, Shane, you bought a house. Who did you use, right? Because I trust you. And so you're going to tell me, hey, I used so-and-so. So close to 40% of the people actually go to someone they know or a real estate agent that they transacted with in the past. Mm -hmm. And so there's a dynamic there uh, of two things when it comes to the consumer and the agent. So knowing that, of course, I'm going to go to Zillow, Redfin, Realtor.com, Google, even Facebook and say, well, what can I do there to attract the consumer and connect with them? And it's at the end, it's simple. It's, well, they want to look at property. The consumer just wants to see property. That's it. And so if we make that harder for them, then we're not going to be the agents for them. And that's where the whole text thread of connecting with people at a human level comes into play, right? If you just give them what they want and get out of the way, they'll use you because they trust you at that point. Sure. And a lot of us don't, a lot of us stay in the way, right? It's like, but, but I've got something to tell you. I, I've got something to sell you, right? It's like, no, just get out of your own way. Give them what they want. And then they'll come right back to you. So um, online, tech, I think it comes down to the user, just like AI, right? The better questions we ask, the better responses we get. Well, tech, the better you know how to use it, the better you know how to connect with people using tech, the better the results. And it comes down to the user. So this is why, dude, everything comes back down to philosophy. Like, how do you operate? How do you operate internally? 
Are you using people to get rich or are you actually really trying to help people, right? Mm. And people can feel it. People don't care about you until you actually show them that you care about them. Yeah, that that makes so much sense. And it, uh, it, it makes me think I do a lot of sales training at my job. You know, whenever we have like new employees, I'll teach them how to do tours and how to answer phones and deal with people that are coming in and looking for the gym. And we always get to the tour and I always just tell people, listen, like the, the tour of the gym has nothing to do with showing them the gym. Literally, it's like, I don't even need to walk them through the gym. I do it because it's, you know, it's an experience, it's a process, but I tell them it like the tour is all about getting to know that person, figure out what, what their goals are, figure out where they work, where they live, how long they're going to be in the area, figure out if they're a member at a gym already, if they are, what do they like about the gym or what do they not like about the gym? If, if they don't have a gym, uh, you know, why are they looking for a gym? What, how many times in the past have they tried to get into a gym and you know, they, they didn't succeed. And like, the, the more you get to know these questions and the, the last thing I always ask them is like, how soon are you looking to get started in a gym? Cause then I'm, I'm trying to figure out like transport mm. myself into your head. Like how motivated are you? Are you, you know, shopping around for gyms that you're thinking you might want to start in the next three months? Or are you like, you ready to go next week? You're ready to go today. Um, mm. Dude. It sounds like that's kind of what you're saying, right? Is like an open house. Yeah. You just described an open house <laughs> for me. It's like, yeah. hey, you're going through it. It's like, hey, asking questions, finding the motivation, right? Really yeah. finding the reason. This is exactly it. I didn't realize that um, trainers or people that work at the gym here showing the the whole gym is exactly like real estate. You guys could be amazing real estate agents. Yeah. At least the good I, trainers, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that, uh, you know, I've read a lot on sales and, you know, I, uh, I transitioned and you know, I started out as a trainer and kind of moved into sales. And that was something that, was interesting for me because I could sell like a $400 a month or $500 a month training package. But for some reason, like I couldn't sell, you know, a $30 a month gym membership. And it, it was because I was just showing them the gym and being like, well, so you want to sign up. Right. And I didn't know anything about them. I, I didn't know how to sell value. Right. I was just showing them the gym. And I think that yeah. sounds like that's what you're saying, right. Is you have to kind of be able to understand what the person wants and be the guide that gets them there, you know, and, and a lot of that is just listening to them and letting them kind of show you where they want to go. It's all listening, man. I think we we have the challenge of not listening because we're, we're always trying to, we're always dealing with our ego, which is what, what's in it for me. Like I want this out of this, I want this. And it's a challenge when it comes to a job as well, because first of all, we need to keep our job. So we need to meet certain criteria. So yeah. we always have that and that gets in the way to, it's like, Oh, we need to make the sale. We need to make the sale. And it's no different on our end, even though we're independent contractors at the end of the day, we need to make money. And sometimes that pushes over too much and says, well, I need to make money. So let me just push my prerogative to you instead of listening to what you really want. And that's why a lot of salespeople mm, do not yeah. succeed. Yeah. That, that sound that's really, really true. Um, listening and not like people, people can sense when you're just trying to make a sale. And oh yeah, I, I do a thing in the gym sometimes where like, if I have somebody and I ask them, when are you looking to get started? And they'll, they'll say like, oh, you know, in like a month or a couple months. And there, there's not a lot of urgency there. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of do a thing where I'll just, I'll lay the cards out on the table and I'll, I'll make a couple offers and I'll say, listen, like you're here at a gym today. I know you said you're planning to get started in a couple months. Like, you know, I'll be real with you. My job is to try to get you into the gym. So, you know, if there's anything that I can do or offer to you today, you know, trying to give you a little bit of a break on the monthly rate, you know, working with you on startup costs or anything like that, you know, let me know. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to ask you direct, is there something I can do to earn your business today? And I feel that, Mm. you know, that's a way to kind of get into that, like, all right, let's make a deal without necessarily, because people don't like something being shoved down their throat and being pressured, yeah, right? They, they, they can sense it. We're, we're way smarter than what we give ourselves credit for as far as that goes. I agree, man. That is very yeah. true. Very true. Um, so, you know, I, I bought a condo back in, um, I bought a condo back in April and I, I got my first 
condo, which I ended up selling later in like 2011. So it was, you know, post, uh, you know, post 2008, I got a really good deal on it. And I remember even that was very different because the online stuff wasn't, wasn't quite as prominent. Like I felt a little bit more old school, but when I bought my most recent one, it was a way different experience because, you know, the real estate agent that I worked with, she's like, well, you know, I basically was on Zillow when I talked to her for the first time. And I said, Hey, here's, <laughs> here's five places I want to check out. And she's like, well, you know, I've got the updated information. This one's sold already. This one has a couple offers, but you know, let's go check out these three. And, yeah. um, you know, the, the place that I ended up buying, I actually found myself that like we were, we went to one and they already had an offer in on it. Cause I bought, yeah. it was like last April when then it was in, insane. Like, every single place I made an offer on had like 15 offers and Dude. yeah, it was, people were doing like cash offers, you know, for 20,000 above asking. But, um, the place that I got, you know, I just, I found it in the morning when we went to another place and I ended up putting an offer there and we got it. Um, is that like more common these days? Like for people that are, you know, looking to buy a house that they're actually doing a lot of the work themselves or yeah dude it's changed a lot i think real estate agents have become more of the consultant and advisor through the process so that so that the consumer doesn't make as many mistakes because the last Mm -hmm. thing you want is a lawsuit three four five years later or buying a home that just is falling apart right so we're we're going to guide you to make the best decision possible and when you think of the online tools to be able to search for homes. If you're looking at Zillow, their number one job is to bring in as many eyeballs to their website as possible. Right. So they're not as concerned when it comes to having properties on there that may not be available already. Right. Or like if they already sold, they're right. just, they'll leave it up there a little bit longer. Right. And that's what they do. So this is why you go there. And you find Zillow properties that have sold like weeks, months ago in some cases. And so that's why your agent said, oh, wait a second, like three out of those five or four are no longer available, right? Yeah. So, but that's also how they get a lot of traffic because you have a lot more selection. And so their job where they get all their money, and you have to understand the back end of this too, uh, where they get all of their money, Zillow is from the agents. They sell your data to the consumer, to the real estate agent. So this way, the mm-hmm. real estate agent pops up when you're looking for property. And other than that, everything else that they've taken on, this is why you have to understand like, well, how do they operate and why are they doing certain things? Everything else that they've done, they've produced negative money on. The only thing that's positive for them year over year is selling leads to the agent. So of course they're going to want to attract as much of the consumer as possible, right? So now you're looking for property. You're sending it to the real estate agent. It's the reverse now. And the, the real estate agents coming back and saying, oh, you know what? Let me do a better job. Let me shift you over to this system and now I'll find some property for you. And that has become the norm though. So in some cases, our clients do find the property for themselves and they're like, yeah, I think I found this one. Is this still available? Like yeah. you did? And then we just come in and say, hold on, let me check. Yep, it looks like it's available. And then that's where we come to play and say, wait a second, I know that agent or I know this company. I have a good relationship yeah. with them. Let me see if I can get you in before anybody else or at least get your offer accepted or let me do my magic. And that's sure. when really, that's when it all starts. But dude, that's that's good that uh, you went through that process recently. It's crazy yeah. how prices have just continued to go up. It's nuts. Yeah. You know, I, I saw a bit of a, cause I, you know, I bought it like peak insanity kind of, like I said, you know, when, when I got in, it was, it was just absolutely wild. I mean, I probably made six offers and for me, I think like having the real estate agent really helped me because as you mentioned, like she, she sort of guided me and used her expertise. Like there was, there was one, I found a house, um, that was in a great, great area where I wanted to be. I mean, it was beautiful. It was really, really cool architecture. It was like an old 1960s that had been renovated. And um, I was really pumped on it. And I got there and she's like, you know, Shane, I'm just, I'm, she's like, I'm going to be honest with you. She's like, there, there's some issues here. I don't think this is your house. She said, I'll show it to you. 
That's great. Um, that she told you that. Yeah. And she said, look, you know, I, I looked into it. She said, it's got like this, um, you know, I don't know all the like architecture stuff behind it, but she, yeah, she said, look, it's there's like some apart chain. Don't buy well, it. Yeah. She, she said, look, there's some plumbing issues where like where the plumbing meets out in the yard. She's like, it, it's going to go. She said, it's like, it could last 10 years. It could last 10 days. But when it goes, yeah. she's like, it's going to be a big, you know, it's going to be a big project. And then there was something else. Um, so, you know, if I wouldn't have had an agent, I could have made a big mistake there. And, yeah. um, you know, when, when I did get my place, I, she had a really cool strategy because they were asking, like, we, we really thought the value of this condo is probably like 260, 270. And mm -hmm. they were asking for 300. So she said, listen, we're going to go in on a, at a full price offer at 300, but we're going to put it, you know, contingents on appraisal. She's like, because I know this place is not going to appraise. So mm. while everybody else is offering kind of what it, what they thought it would appraise for 260, 270, we went in at 300. And of course, you know, the appraisal came back at, you know, 270, I think. And, uh, basically they're like, well, you know, we, we really need at least 280 and I'm like, I'll give you 2,500 cash above and you know i'm pre-qualified i've already got my financing lined up so they ended up taking it just because you know the real estate made like market was, was very good. hot and i don't think they wanted to wait and and see if it was going to cool down so no man um, that was a good that was a good angle i love that yeah yeah i mean so I, and that kind of leads into my next question which is like you know, so, some people say like real estate agents are like they're going to be phased out very soon, right? It's all, mm -hmm. it's all going to be AI. It's all going to be Zillow. You're just going to do everything yourself. Um, do, do you think that that's a danger for real estate agents going forward? Or do you think you've got job well, security? No, no, that's, that's a definite danger. We have, mm -hmm. so there's 3 million real estate agents in the United States. And out of those, about 1.5 million have the designation of realtor, right? So they're held to higher standards. And right now we're seeing a decline because we keep track on the realtor side, those that have that designation, we're seeing it slightly come down. And mm -hmm. that's because the market's just getting tighter, even though prices are still going up in some areas, we're seeing multiple offers. There's a lot less transactions. There's a million less transactions year over year. Right. So that's tightening up. How many, how many real estate agents remain in this business? So that on top of AI coming in, what we're going to see in the future, in the near future, is AI take the job of the real estate agent that was just in it to make a buck. So hmm. Zillow, Realtor.com, Redfin can soon put up an AI at the front of their website that's a that really can a answer any questions you have about the transaction since hey i'm in the middle of a transaction and i've got a home inspection let me upload my inspection can you take a look at this and you don't even have to talk to a real estate agent they'll just answer any questions you have and they'll say yeah i'm not a real estate agent but let me take a look at this by the way talk to a real estate agent and now zillow realtor.com or redfin can be like, hold on, I've got one for you because that's how they make money, right? Mm -hmm. So I've got one for you. So now you're going to go to them even more to answer these simple questions that you didn't probably want to talk to a real estate agent about anyway, right? Because they'll just talk your ear off and they'll try to convince you to buy a home right then when you don't really want to buy one. You just have a question. Yeah. So yeah, dude, um, we're thinking... So let's just say 1.5 million realtors will probably end up to closer to a million realtors. So that's about what close to 30% out. Yeah. And depending on what happens with AI, how fast we adapt as real estate agents, um, it's just going to depend whether or not we take a bigger hit or not, but yeah, definitely a hit. It's just not yeah. being seen right now, but yeah, a big hit. Sure. And it's, I don't know, like, especially on the topic of AI, it's easy to believe that that's probably going to happen in a lot of industries, right? I mean, I've, yeah. like we, we joke about in the, in the gym business, we're like, you know, how, how far away are we from having a, a drone that has like a tablet hanging from it and it has like an AI chat yeah. person and, you know, we can just cut our staff down by 50% and have like a drone that flies around and like, 
signs people up for the the easy memberships, right? Go into the gym. If I can throw on my uh, pro vision from Apple and be just walk through, talk to virtual Shane and be like, okay, Shane, show me this over here. I really, yeah. And then like, why? I don't want to, I wouldn't want to leave. I'm just telling you like, and if I could tour homes like that, I'll do that all day. And then when I'm ready, I'll use a real estate agent, but guess what? I'll be using the most tech savvy advisor yeah. consultant as possible. So, yeah. So that's, who's going to win at the end of this. That makes a lot of sense. So I want to ask you too, about the, uh, like the housing market in general, right? Like, I mean, when I, when I bought a year ago or over a year ago, um, pe- people were like shouting doom and gloom back then, right? How like, the ha- it's mm-hmm. going to, the housing market's about to collapse. The bubble's going to burst. And, you know, in Atlanta, we saw like, for like a couple months, we saw like a really small correction. It was like, you know, that like my property value went down like two, 3% based on a lot of the estimates. But now, I mean, it's, it's actually up, you know, two or 3% from a year ago, which I know like traditionally the housing market tends to go up around 3% a year. Like if you average it out. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's minus like inflation and everything too. But um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on the market right now? Just the overall health. I know it's, spotty depending on where you are but overall what do you think look it comes down to no matter what you hear from all of these youtubers and 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 unfortunately some economists it comes down to supply and demand that's it it's as old as um the book what is it wealth of nations uh Mm -hmm. adam smith 1776 it comes down to supply and demand and right now if you look at the simple numbers and see, well, damn, the supply is like really, really low of homes for the amount of people that want to buy. And the only thing determining our supply and demand right now are the high mortgage rates. They're at seven approximately, like just under seven or just yeah. right at seven. And so what happens is people like you and I, Shane, who bought 2019, 2020, maybe 2021 with a really low rate. Why in the world would I put my home on the market and sell and go buy something with much double, triple my interest rate? And, And it just doesn't make sense. So what's happening is all the sellers that have a really low rate are no way in hell going to put their home on the market unless they have to. And the buyers, well, they can't necessarily buy at 7% as well as they could. And only the ones that need to buy are buying. And that's causing that's causing the demand is still high because still people still need to buy a home. They still have that feeling, I need to own. The challenge is that the sellers aren't selling. Right. And so that's causing that's causing the supply to remain really low when you take a look at the numbers. And unfortunately, when you have economists and YouTubers that are not in the business, they look at it and they're like, well, dude, it's 2008, 2009 all over. And they don't fully understand the picture. It's like, no, it's not. Because even though you have a small amount of foreclosures coming out, even though you have some unemployment going up, even though you have all of these other things, you don't have the same components. You're missing a lot. Yeah. And it comes down to supply and demand right now driven by the interest rate that's how simple it is and no the market's not crashing hell no it can't you can't crash on something when there's some there's not enough of something like i can't yeah. crash on a housing market when i when there's just not enough houses to crash on dude so there that's my answer yeah that, that makes sense i mean i obviously my my expertise is very limited but i've i've kind of come come to the same conclusion or have similar feelings so i'm glad you you know feel the same so I want to ask you, and I know, I know you can't answer this because it's like, I know it's like uh, dependent on the case, right? But Mm -hmm. in general, if if someone asked you, is it a good time as a buyer right now? Like if I want to go Mm. out and buy a house, like in general, is it a good time to buy based on your experience over the years? I'll give you two answers. I'll give you a no and a yes, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And the no is... It's not a good time to buy if you can't afford the current payment right now. And and 
And if you're not sure if you have a stable job or the security of, of your job and, mm -hmm. and you may be moving or, or you just don't feel comfortable and you think that the market is going to crash, then it's not a good time for you. Mm -hmm. If you're going to, if you're going to live in this home that you're going to buy for the average, which is now 10 years, crazy, but the average 10 years, what we've seen year, year over year in a span of 10 years, the prices have gone up and what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen from experience. Mm -hmm. Interest rates will come down. Yep. They're just going to come down. Yeah. They're going to come down to five. They're going to come down. I don't know that they'll ever come down to fours, but let's say they come down to five. Now you're going to have all of these buyers are like, finally, and now you're going to have some sellers that are like, I can live with five. So now all of that, all of that demand from the buyers that who couldn't buy at seven are going to come in. They're still going to outweigh the amount of listings that are out there because we're just underdeveloped in construct in new construction and in active home listings. So that means that prices are still going to continue to go up year over year. And that's not even talking about inflation, man. Look how much money was dumped into, into the US through through COVID. So that's just not even talking about inflation. So real estate, unfortunately, real estate for the regular person like you and I, that's where people save most of their money without even knowing that they're saving. And if you're looking at it as a normal, in this case, United States citizen, why wouldn't you buy a home? Because you're never going to save money because I know Americans suck at saving money. Sure. Right. And the, the saving money part is going to come down to your equity that your home built over the next 20 years. That's going to be your retirement. Right. So if you look at it that way, you should buy as soon as possible. But yeah. if you're scared, then don't buy. That's it. Yeah. It makes a lot of uh, makes a lot of sense. It, it's a a good response to a uh, very hard to answer question because, like I said, I know everything's case dependent, right? Some one person, yeah. you know, maybe they should buy a home if they're planning to be there for ten years, and they can always refinance. And maybe someone else that's like, well, I'm only going to be in the area for a couple years, maybe yeah. really hard to recoup their investment, you know, with the down payment and all the closing fees and everything. You're only going to be somewhere for a couple years, especially with the. Yeah. Look, prices elevated, listen, right? If you don't know where you're going to be in the next year to ten <clears throat> uh, to two years, and yeah. you're not sure where the real estate market's going to be, then it's probably best for you not to do anything. Sure. Just continue to rent. But if you are going to be there for a longer time, and you have a backup plan, say, "Hey, I think I'm going to be here for a while." Probably best to buy because ten years from now, you wish you're going to wish you bought just from looking at the last eighty years of data. Just yeah. look at it. Just go. Go just Google F R E D Fred, Google that. Mm -hmm. And then just take a look at price year over year. And you'll be like, damn, he's right. Forget yeah. about every economist, every person that told you crap. Just look at that. And you'll be like, Oh, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean the, the first condo that I got, um, back in, I told you 2011, you know, I still like, <laughs> my like financial mistake that I kicked myself for is like selling this thing. But in 2000, I think it was 2008, the woman that had like basically like lost the sum, she couldn't make the payments on it. She paid 130,000 for it. Um, we bought it in 2011 for I think 75. Wow. And we sold it in 2013 and I think we got like 115, but that same condo, I, I, I get on, like, I just look at it periodically. It's like 300,000 right now. So even, even if you had bought like at the peak of the 2008, like insanity, you pay $130,000, like despite that huge crash that we've like never seen in the housing market ever, yeah. you know, it's still doubled in since that time. Right. So Dude, over, over that 10 year period, you're, you're never really, it would have to be a complete freak, like collapse of the economy to lose money in real estate. It seems like. Yeah. And I think people yeah. that think we're going to go back to those prices, they, they forget to, they forget to include inflation over time. It's like, we're right. never going to go think about it this simple for those people. 
we're never going to go buy we're never going to go back to buying milk for five cents again ever it's just yeah. it's just not possible the same thing happens with real estate at a bigger scale yeah and th- yeah that that's a great way to put it and it that simplifies it a lot it makes it very easy to to understand yeah, it's like, oh, milk. Oh, he's right. You know, I'm not going to go to McDonald's and buy a 25 cent cheeseburger anymore. That's right, dude. You're not. Yeah. I don't not saying go to McDonald's, by the way, damn it. Right. Yeah. I, so I want to I want to pick your brain on something else a little bit, shift gears. Um, I know we're running a little short on time, but I wanted to just kind of talk to you. I know that you read like you're, you're very into reading. I know that you're into um, philosophy and stoicism, like mm-hmm. on a on a personal level. Why do you think that those things are so important and how have they like affected you in your life? Well, first of all, that's what got us connected. So right. great job on continuing that route. I love it. I love seeing yeah. that. Um, I think philosophy in general is, is something that we all need to dive into just to, to make sure that we're living a better life for ourselves. And I think it's, it's really, it allows us to look inside and say, Hey, am I, am I actually functioning as the best version of myself on a daily basis? Hmm. And I don't know that we can do that without philosophy because asking the right questions can help develop a better us, a better you, better me. And that's, that's really what got me into philosophy a lot more. It was, I think it, well, I'm a history major. So okay. that started my, my journey into that. And then when I went to law school, I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know how important it was right in, in law school. And so that just dove me deeper and deeper into it. And so when I figured how to, how, when I figured out how to read faster and retain information, I'm like, oh, dude, I can, I can learn so much and I can make myself better and I can be like, oh, damn. So a lot of what I learn in philosophy, I realize that I can apply in real life uh, on a daily basis with my family, with my clients and, and everywhere else on everybody I touch, man, because philosophy at the end of the day is how you operate. How do you operate? It's yeah. like your operating system. Yeah. yeah so that that's you, why, you know, it's interesting to, um, when I was doing my studying for my book, it, it's amazing how many of these philosophers and these like Renaissance humanists started out in as lawyers, because you, you go into law school yeah. and they start introducing you things to things like ethics, to things like uh, rhetoric, to things like, you know, the humanities and history, because they're trying to give you like context of how to think, how to reason, how to be logical. You read Aristotle yeah. and It's amazing how many of these people started as lawyers and then they were like, you know, I'm not really interested in law now that I've been exposed to philosophy. I'm really interested in philosophy. Um, (laughs) That's so true. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm, sounds like kind of a similar thing happened to you as well. Um, I, I had a conversation yesterday and, you know, the guests we were talking about, you know, something that I've been thinking a lot is the difference between knowledge and wisdom, right? It's like Mm -hmm. knowledge is just like a raw understanding of what something is or how to perform a function. Mm -hmm. Knowledge or wisdom is like how to apply that knowledge in a way that's beneficial and helpful. And the example that I thought of was like, think about the knowledge of how to make a nuclear bomb. So nuclear technology in itself is very dangerous if it's not applied with wisdom. If we're wise with it, we can make nuclear power, we can, you know, create treaties that are based around the idea of like, you know, assured mutual mass destruction. It can have some benefit if it's applied with wisdom. But if we just True. have nuclear technology and no wisdom, we just end up blowing up the world and killing everybody. So, True. Um, you know, knowledge is power, but it's, you know, it's wisdom that gives us the ability to, I think, apply that that knowledge in a, in a helpful way. That's a very good point, man. That's a very good point. I think wisdom... Wisdom comes with asking yourself the right questions over a, over yeah. a longer period of time because your answers just develop better and better. So Definitely. yeah, really good point. I like that. Yeah, F- feel free to uh, feel free to take it away, man. I, I love. Uh... <laughs> I might. 
<laughs> yeah. It's a good one. And, you know, another thing that I've been thinking of too, that I'd, I'd just like to point out is like, I know we're, you know, most of the show we've been talking about real estate because I know that's, you know, that's your expertise. That's your business. That's, you know, a little bit of your background. I, I think that something that's important about philosophy or, you know, faith, religion, if you have that as well, is like, we get so fixated. And I've, I've really been thinking about this a lot. I've been going through a lot of spiritual stuff lately. And we get so focused on our, our vocation or like the things that we do in life. Like we're, we're living through our body, through our experiences, right? You know, you, we tell ourselves like, well, I'm a, I'm a gym salesman. I'm a real estate agent. I'm, you know, and we get so caught up in the, the act of living that we kind of forget that there's something deeper. There's something more within us that we lose contact with as we're just going about our days mm -hmm. and, and living life, right? Like you're, mm -hmm. you know, even though we, we go through our jobs and we are these things, like what we really are is we're, you know, we're, we're a lover to somebody, you know, we're a parent, we're like a friend, you know, we're sharing in this experience, but we have this, like this energy, this spirit inside of us. And I think we, we just lose touch with that sometimes. And I think that philosophy encourages you to look within and to ask those deep questions mm -hmm. and think about what's important and to connect to the the current moment that you're living in. And I think it just, you know, it, it touches us back with wisdom and it helps us to live with a little bit more intention, right? Not just get caught up in the day to day of like, I'm in my car, I'm sitting in traffic, I go to work, I'm, you know, selling gym memberships, I go home, I'm watching mm -hmm. Netflix, like, you know, it, it just breaks you out of the, the routine a little bit. Yeah, it gives you it's almost like it gives you a purpose like, oh, you know what? It's very, dude, it allows you to reflect and go in and say, oh, that's right. You know, I'm, I'm more than just what I'm what I'm practicing uh, on work on a daily basis. I'm more than just this. And you're like, I got it. I actually have a duty to everyone around me. You know what? Actually, like Marcus Aurelius, it's like, no, I, mm -hmm. yeah, I have a duty to everyone. I have a duty to everyone and it's to lead and to be a better version of myself. And that makes a lot of sense. I think that's what philosophy really does. Like that's the power of reflection and going deeper and asking better questions. You realize at the end, at the end of all of it, once you're there, you're like, oh, shit. Uh, I actually, I actually have to be a, a great example on a daily basis because I touched so many people that I didn't even know I was touching. Yeah. And, and that forces you once you're in it to, to just be better. And there's a lot of people who just never reach that. It's like, eh, fuck it. They're just going to be whoever they are and they don't care. But yeah. it's the opposite of what we're here to do. So hey, great point, man. Yeah. Amen. Well, well said to you as well. Um, so I want to ask you a couple, a uh, couple of quick questions. I, I try to ask all my guests these and you know, put together, I'm going to put together at some point kind of a, uh, like an infographic and show, show some of the responses. So on a personal level, tell me about like, do you have any, uh, daily habits that you, that you'd like to try to run through every day? Yeah, actually I do. That's the first book I sent to Wiley and they didn't publish it. Okay. That's the one I'm going to self publish by the way. Yeah. Do it. Oh, get it out. It's there. a, it's an acronym, dude. I, I built this out through through interviewing all the people in success magazine and all these other thousands of people I've interviewed. Mm -hmm. um, it's prepare in the evening and Marvel in the morning. It's an acronym prepare. And it's kind of like these little actions that I take. So plan the night you're planning the night before it's like, mm -hmm. um, I know what I'm going to do, right? I'm reviewing through everything and I'm, I'm doing exercise. I exercise. That's why I'm like, Oh, ATL fitness. I wrote that down. I'm like, now I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, exercise. And then, and then it gets a little bit different. It's like, you know, these are the things that you, that you hear often from other philosophers. It's like, wait a second. I, I want to, the more, the more I'm thankful, the more I actually yes. connect with my, mm -hmm. with my deeper self and I, yeah. and I'm more appreciative of everything around me. Right. So that's one of the habits I have in the evening. I'm like, I need to go through and, it wasn't always easy for me to go through the thankfulness part. So I had to actually create a document for myself, yeah. which is like, okay, Tristan, since you suck at this, let's go. Right. So I asked myself these four questions and then I have like a, a paragraph, a little paragraph I read. So I'm like, who should I be thinking? Who made me smile today? Like I go back through the day and I'm like, who made my life easier today? 
Who, who do I need to send a text or, or a quick message out to? So that, yeah. and then I look back and I think all of these people that I've interviewed in, in books that I've read that uh, of these great achievers or high achievers, regardless of where it's at, they always took time to think and reflect. And mm -hmm. I was always missing that piece. So one of the habits that I've put into play that allows me to develop a lot of other the, uh, things in my business is just time to think and reflect. So time to think through and just do nothing and just go through and say, what's, what's there? Like, let's go through this. Like, what, what am I wanting to, what have I been wanting to do that I haven't been doing? Or what am I thinking? What's bothering? You know what? How, how did I, how did I function when I was talking to this client, to my son, to my daughter, to my wife? Did I, I shouldn't have done that. Damn, I should have done it differently. And a lot of yeah. us don't take time to reflect on how we treat others. And we just keep on living the same life over and over. It's like, and then we wonder why people don't want to hang out with us or why people don't pick up our phone call or sure. why people just don't want to chill with us, right? It's us. We're yeah. the ones that suck. So reflection, big. And then the last one um, is for the for the evening one is just embracing the night. I, I have a problem, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs do, where they just don't shut off, like literally don't shut off. You just keep going. It's like you're working all the time, right? Because mm -hmm. I have like seven, I have seven businesses right now, and and I have like a staff of fifty three. So, dude, we don't stop. I I it never ends. And then when I realize, wait a second, it never ends. I'm the one that has to stop at some point to now take time for myself and my yeah. family. Right? It's up to me. Got it. I need to shut off. So that's always been a challenge for me. So I have to embrace the night. It's like at some point I need to shut off. And then the morning one, but the morning one's like, how, you know, how Elrod miracle morning, very similar to Hal's. So yeah. that's you, it, man. You, you definitely, you definitely got to write that book. All that's, that's a lot, a lot of wisdom in, uh, in those routines. I know that gratitude is something I've been really, really, really hammering on in my life. And, you know, I've kind of made a habit of like setting an alarm on my phone and it's periodically throughout the day, you know, three or four times a day, I try to just kind of stop and say a prayer and think about everything that I'm grateful for. And, you know, it's, it's different, but like, so sometimes it's just, you know, like, thank you for this. You know, I'm so grateful for this life, for my, for the fact that I have health in my body, that I don't have cancer, that I'm, you know, that I have good people in my life and I have a, you know, a stable income and, there, there's so many things that if we don't stop and reflect and think about like what we're grateful for, we just totally take for granted, you know? Um, and I think it was Cicero. You're doing a couple that, of things there, man. What did yeah. Cicero say? Yeah. Cicero said that uh, gratitude is not only the greatest of all virtues, but it's the parent of all others that it's, you know, it's being grateful oh. and thinking about like, you know, what, what we have that we're grateful for that kind of allows us to be wise, that allows us to be courageous, that it's, it's that connection to those things that are meaningful to us that give us, you know, the, the ability mm. to live with wisdom, I think. I like that, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that approach. And look, I, I agree with, with sister on that. I think a lot of us over, overestimate the power of kindness and the power of taking time to reflect on the goodness in our life. Yeah. But you know, you're actually teaching yourself how to think, right? Which is the more you focus on, the more you focus on that nice white Tesla that you want, the more you see it, <laughs> yeah. right? The more you focus on what you're grateful for and the good things in your life, the more you see it. So yeah. the reticular activating system, same thing. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Um, do you have a, uh, do you have two book recommendations for us? If you had to pick two books out of yeah, all the books you've ever read. All right. Perfect. You know, I, I love extreme ownership with Jocko. So I've yes. talked to Jocko a few Great times book, yeah. and, and he's, he's just like his book, by the way, in, in, in person. Um, that is a very powerful book because it, mm -hmm. it just shifts that responsibility right back to you because i think a lot of us forget that it's just up to us right yeah and because we easily push that off and then uh number two 
Number two, dude, I could go so many different ways with number two, with the Daily Stoic with Ryan Holiday, or I can go to The Alchemist or Built to Last with Jim Collins. But I'm going to I'm gonna give one that is a little different. It's very aggressive, and that's Winning by Tim, Tim Grover. Uh, I think okay. that's very real. It's uh, like the 48 Laws of Power, right, type real. Uh, it's real in your face because it shows you what winning actually looks like. And a lot of people romanticize how winning is. It's like, yeah, yeah this is, I can do it. But this is kind of in your face, right? And it says, look, winning, <laughs> winning is hard. It's not easy. It's like really hard. It's so hard mm -hmm. you want to give up every day, right? And winning, you almost got to do whatever it takes to win. And not everybody wins. And so both of those books mixed with philosophy, the philosophy you're talking about, right, Yeah, is really good. Uh, I can definitely see somebody reading winning and taking it the other way. So yeah. well, winning is in your face. If you want a book to kick you in the face and kick you in the ass and make you feel like a loser, read winning. You'll like it. So, sounds good. I'm sold. That's it's going Dude, in, it's going to my that. Amazon list. Read yeah, that. I will. What about um like personal heroes? Do you have any like personal heroes or anyone that you you look up to in your life? Dude, for me, for me, I, so I've been married for 25 years. Um, and Congrats. my personal heroes that's, are, are that's things, huge. Man. That's huge today. Yeah, it's my wife. My wife. She's become over over the years of our ups and downs because uh, we know we've been we've been through everything together we met in, in college first year of college yeah. and she's my hero dude just putting up with all the shit i have to do right and then doing all the amazing things she's done and then my mom and dad my mom and dad that's yeah. that's it Beautiful. i could easily go to all these other people but i don't know them right i only know their yeah. I only know what we see on the front page or on a book, all the good stuff. I don't know them personally. So yeah, you, you know, that's the, that's the most popular answer. And it, it surprised me, but like dad, you know, mom, like, you know, spouse, brother, you know, like just family. It seems like at the yeah. end of the day, those, those are the people that are heroic to us. Those are the most impactful in your life, right? The, the close yeah. people that you surround yourself with become your heroes. It's like, and that's who we, emulate or learn not to completely be like be like i don't like that of that person yeah or i love this of this person so the the next one i want to hit real quick um and i know you probably i know we're running short on time so you can give me an abbreviated one um sure. most people like we have this like iceberg of success thing right we look at people we see they're successful and, you know look at tristan he's got seven businesses he's you know doing all these big things but we forget about like all the hidden sacrifices and setbacks and failures and things that happened along the way to get you where you are. So you personally, I mean, can you think back on your life and think of, you know, a time where it was like a really dark period or you had a major setback that sort of, you know, transformed you or allowed you to, to change yeah. and go forward. And that's pretty way. easy, man. I've yeah. had a few of those. Uh, I think <clears throat> the last one I really had was 2016 uh, we had, I had just built this, this amazing, I was building this amazing community for real estate agents. And I was, I was in a bus going to an award ceremony for being nominated. So our one of our companies was nominated and I was in a bus sitting to, next to my friend and some guy that was drunk and you can Google this, right? And some, the guy that was drunk next to us was talking about Tinder, how his, wife cheated on him with his cousin and now he's like he's doing his thing now yeah and i'm just there listening i'm like cool uh and bus ends the bus trip ends and then maybe like four months later an article comes out at the same time trump was saying stuff on his bus thing right so mm -hmm. at the same time an article comes up about me and my business partner saying that we were the ones cheating on our wives and talking about Tinder and doing all this stuff. Wow. And so we, so I, I'm like, I saw the article. It didn't name us the first article. And I was like, who the hell is this fucking idiot? Right? So I posted it up 
I posted it inside of the group, of my group. I didn't know what it was. And and then it started coming back and saying, hey, they're talking about you. I'm like, no way. And so I started reading it. And I'm like, oh, wow. I guess that they we're, we're being blamed for saying all that shit about women and doing all that stuff. And then article, the next article came out. And then the next article came out. And then the next, dude, yeah. it fucking blew up. Million, we had millions and millions of hits on these different articles. And at that point, I'm like, oh, shit, it, it's actually going to possibly damage my brand. So I had to pick up the phone and call Facebook because we already had a partnership with Facebook. That was my first call. So and he's like, don't worry. I know you. We got your back. I'm like, oh, OK, cool. Right. Next, Fidelity National title, billion-dollar company. Um, he goes, you didn't do it right. That was his first question. I'm like, dude, of course not. You fucking know me. He's like, okay, I got you. I'm like, okay. I went down the line. I called all the companies. The only company that believed me but had to break from uh, working with us was Realtor.com. That was it. So um, we still have, to this day, we still have people that assume that we did those things. And... Um, it's kind of interesting, man. That uh, changed my life. First of all, it put us on the map on a on a way different map, right? And and then yeah. I had death threats. I had a, we were doing the cancel culture thing before the cancel thing yeah. happened. Yeah, right before it happened, uh, dude. I had everything you can imagine was happening to us by text, phone calls, videos, everything, and I went through that. And I was like, holy shit, like, what the fuck is this? Especially when you didn't do anything. And right. so I learned to, I learned to not care about what other people were saying. And that took a lot. Uh, that took a lot. And then now I'm like, okay, yeah, you can say whatever you want about me. doesn't matter. But I had to go through that first. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, there you go. That, that, that's tough because, um, I can tell just from speaking with you, you know, you, you care about people, right? Like it's, it's obvious in the way that you carry, carry yourself and the way that you, you know, move through life. And I think that I'm, you know, I consider myself, I try to be pretty empathetic and I try to think about others and I, you know, I have relationship issues with, you know, back with my, my, my dad and things like that, where I have like a, I have like a people pleaser in me, right? I want to, I want to please everyone and something that I'm having to learn. And this is something I'm going through now is that it like, you know, I'm on the carnivore diet and I had so many people mm. that were so angry that I posted a picture of a steak. You know, they're like, how dare you? You know, like, and I'm like, well, part of me is like, I want to cater to everyone, but I guess, you know, yeah. to be myself, yeah. to be a brand, I've got to just, I got to be who I am. Right. So that's it. Um, it's a tough, tough that's process. It. Dude. I just interviewed Seth Godin uh, like four weeks ago and he's like, yeah. look, the more you want to please everyone, the less you're going to be successful. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to stand your ground and be like, this is who I am. This is who I'm attracting and be Amen. okay. Letting yeah. everyone else go. Yeah. And then so the, so the last question, steak, what's that? Sorry. Post that, I said, post that steak, man. Post yeah. it. Yeah. So the, the last question that I got for you real quick, um, you know, go back in time, hop in a time machine, Go back to a, uh, you know, a teenage Tristan, what, whatever. I, I hmm. picked the teen years because I feel like, you know, we're, we're searching for meaning. We're lost. We're, we're yeah. angsty. What advice would you give yourself if you could give yourself a piece of advice? Um, probably two things. One is don't let people tell you that kindness, that kindness is a weakness. I got that a lot. Hmm. Uh, that's one. Don't believe them. And then number two is uh, success takes a very long time in anything. It's not short. And I mm -hmm. thought, I thought for a long time there were shortcuts. <laughs> so, yeah, there aren't. There aren't. We just happen to see that person who got famous fast or that person who just yeah. had the right unicorn company in the process of two to three years. Normally, it takes a very long time. Yeah. And kindness, dude, kindness is the way. It's just, I rather, I rather would lead with kindness and build my businesses with that than any other way. 
Yeah. Those are, I mean, both great, great pieces of info. I mean, like the, uh, the idea that it doesn't happen overnight. Right. It, and again, it's that iceberg thing. Like you see someone and they just blow up overnight. They, they post a viral video and like all of a sudden they're famous, but it's like, how many videos did they make that they got one like on, you know, or that nobody, yeah. that nobody saw how many things happened before that moment actually happened. It didn't, it didn't happen in one moment. It happened in, you know, 10 years and like many, many moments compounded. It just, yeah. we just saw the one moment cause that's what was visible. That's right, man. That's it. All right. Great yeah, question. Tristan, and I, I loved, uh, love speaking with you today. Uh, any, anything you'd like to, you know, shout out or like any resources for anybody, if they want to look you up, learn, learn more about uh, you. Anything yeah, like that? Just follow me on Instagram. It's Tristan.Almada and, uh, buy Shane's book. It's really good. Uh, so there you go. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Thanks, man. Thanks for making it happen. <laughs> no problem. Thanks for listening to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, and hopefully you learned at least one lesson on today's episode. Our mission here is to uncover practical wisdom to create a better way of living for our audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us by leaving the show a review on your podcast platform of choice and by giving it a share on social media. This really helps us to grow our audience and to continue to add more episodes. If you are interested in learning more, please check out our website at renaissance-wisdom.com or check out the book that started it all, Renaissance Wisdom, How to Flourish in the Modern Day, now on Amazon. Thank you again, and may wisdom be your guide.